listening to the Arsenal Rumble. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Arsenal Rumble. We are back and the Premier League is finally back. No more pre-season games that we have to worry about. We're jumping straight back into the Premier League. And today's game was a massive 2-1 victory over Nottingham Forest at the Emirates Stadium, which most of the fans actually ended up enjoying once they got into the ground. And uh, to help me talk about today's events, it's Dave as ever. How are you doing, Dave? You okay? Yeah, brilliant, mate. Um, like you said, absolutely buzzing. The Premier League is back. It's uh, it's felt like a long one this summer, you know. I don't know whether it's because you know we've made such great signings and we're all so eager to see them. But yeah, I'm just I'm so glad it's back and um, yeah, looking forward to to getting into get our teeth into this game. Yeah, so we'll start before what before the game actually kicked off when it eventually did kick off. What are your thoughts on the whole ticketing situation? Because from a personal standpoint, where the the, the ticketing and the turnstiles have been very temperamental for me um, on a few occasions when I've gone to the Emirates, it's scanned as saying invalid, not let me in. Then I'm full of anxiety, wondering if my tickets are fake. And then it's just quite a stressful situation. For that to be happening in the first game of the season, when they've had all summer to prepare for this, it's a bit embarrassing from for the club really, isn't it? Yeah, it is a little bit embarrassing. Isn't it? I, th- I think we just need to hold our hands up, um, Arsenal this is, and just say, look, we made a bit of an error. Um, it's caused us a, a 30-minute delay, uh, messed around a lot of fans. Um, and we just need to put it right and, and get it all sorted for the next game. But yeah, me and you have had a fair few experiences where I've gone in or vice versa, and then I'm, um, one of us is having trouble getting in. And then we're, then we're like, oh, you know, are we, are we going to miss each other once in, we're in the concourse and whatnot? And uh, yeah, it does get a little bit chaotic at times. So I imagine that was going through many people's heads today. Um, mm. So yeah, not a great start, but um, glad they eventually all got in and, and everyone was is in safely at the end of the day. That's the main thing, um, because that sort of thing can cause a bit of chaos and, and ultimately affect safety. Yeah, yeah, and it affects preparations as well, especially when the Arsenal boys—they're probably all raring to go, sat in the in the changing rooms, knowing it's going to be a half twelve kickoff, and then all of a sudden it's delayed for half an hour. Um, <clears throat> it affects the build-up, it affects the atmosphere, and um, you saw—I think what the problem was—is they'd switched everything over to the electronic tickets. Um, you saw that all the. Um, fans that were already in the grounds looked like families with kids that had paper tickets. So for some reason they could get through, but then the electronic ones couldn't. But it just seems like a bit of a farce and hopefully they get it all sorted for all the fans travelling in the following weeks. But um, we'll get straight into today's game then. We'll talk team sheets first and foremost. Gabriel, big Gabby at the back, was not at the back. He was on the bench today. Now, that seems like a bit of a strange one because he's been a mainstay in our first eleven over the last two seasons. What what were your initial thoughts when you saw that he wasn't included? Well, earlier in the week, I did see rumours circulating that he may have picked up an injury. Um, and then obviously pre-match, Arteta had come out saying, no, everyone's in the squad, including players like um, Zinchenko, um, who were, were a bit of a maybe. It was just the obvious... Jesus, that, that's obviously quite not not ready yet. Um, so to see Gabriel then in the squad on the bench, but they're not in the starting lineup, it's a bit confusing, is it? It's not something we've seen before. Um, he's normally one of the first names on the team sheet, and um, yeah, I'm still sort of a little bit confused by it, to be honest. But um, I guess I guess his thought process around this was having Partey as the inverted fullback in this game, um, operating as a right-back without the ball uh, and operating in midfield where he normally would, would play um, with the ball. But, um, yeah, it's it's just it's, it's a strange one because obviously then Ben White slots into that position um, as centre-back with Saliba. So, yeah, I, I, honestly, I'm still sort of struggling to get my head around it. What What were your thoughts? Yeah, I was I was also struggling to understand whether it was a tactical decision or if it was a fitness issue for Gabriel. But as we saw, he was on the bench, but he might not have been able to fit enough to start this match. Um, but 
to be honest, it seemed like it was by design in the sense that it was almost like a mirror to what we had with Zinchenko last season. And with Zinchenko not being fit, able to start and being able to create that overload in midfield that Arteta desires, it's almost like he's tried to flip it and do the same, but on the opposite side with Partey. Um, And then you have the likes of Ben White being able to step in with Saliba. He's quite comfortable in that position. He's able to fill in as a centre-back. And you've also got Urien Timber, who's also that kind of hybrid on the other side. Um, So I could see see why it would work. And to a certain extent, it did work Um, in the first half. We were really quite dominant, weren't we? And um, we didn't really have much threat on the counter initially uh, in that first half. But yeah, it was interesting to see because literally as soon as we'd kicked off, there was a few passes around the back where Partey was in that initial right-back position. But then as soon as we got off the pitch, he then slotted into the midfield, sitting next to and near to Declan Rice. Um, and Havertz then started to push on a bit forward, didn't he? Yeah, I, I mean, we've talked about it in previous podcasts, but with the amount, the amount of versatility we've got, especially within our back line, I think we're bound to see loads of little variations. I don't think today's team sheet is something we're going to see, uh, you know, on, on, a, on a regular occasion by any means. I just think that, that today this was the best possible 11 that, that Arteta chose. Um, and that, that's not to say that that's not going to happen again, but I don't think it will happen a lot. I think, yeah, like you say, maybe Gabriel got a little bit of a knock in, in training. He wasn't quite 100%. In previous seasons, he probably would have played at 90% fitness. Um, but that's something now that we're not going to risk anymore. Um, we've got the versatility there. And therefore, we're going to play our players that are 100% fit. And you know, Arteta's got the trust in them to, to be able to, to do that. Uh, we've always yeah. talked about having the tools. He's now got them. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's quite encouraging to see that um, we have this kind of design for different games and against different opponents, we can set up differently now. Um, Like last season and the season before, we were ending up just going with this this double pivot with the inverted Zinchenko coming in. And that's how we would play in every match against any opponent. Whereas now, Mm. not to disrespect Nottingham Forest, but an inferior opponent that's coming away to the Emirates... We, we can afford to have one less player uh, at the back and um, push forward and then play with just a back three. However, I think if we were going away to City or going away to United, it would have been a different story. Uh, we would have had that solid back four and probably even different personnel in the back four as well, <laughs> you might have seen. So it's it's nice that we can change up for whoever we're playing against. But um, yeah, <clears throat> we, uh, we did start the game pretty dominant, didn't we? Uh, we had a lot of possession, didn't create too many chances. Uh, everything was going down the right initially through Bukayo Saka and he, he was advancing the ball, dovetailing with Odegaard, but we didn't seem to create much in that first opening 20 minutes, did we? No, no, we didn't, to be fair. Um, I did think it was very controlled, though, and we were probing at times. Um the, it was just a little bit of a, a sort of a, I don't know, a, a little rusty opening period, uh, which we can often see with with teams. Um, it takes them a little bit of time to get going. Um, and I think I even said that pre, pre-game. I said I thought that that's what might happen. It might take a little bit of time just to, to get the wheels greased and, and get going. Um, yeah, and I, I think it was just a case of ensuring that we're tight at the back, we maintain possession, we're, we're not giving away sloppy errors or anything like that. Um, and we're clinical when we need to be. And it was a case of just keep probing until that happens. Fortunately, <laughs> um, 11 minutes in, I think. It, no, not sorry. It wasn't 11 minutes. No, sorry. Yeah, it was 11 minutes. Um, we had that one where we essentially got away with it, uh, where Johnson probably should have um, done better when he went in behind. We sort of went to sleep momentarily. And... Um, Obviously, it was a, a real poor effort at the end of the day. Um, Ramsdale wasn't even um, tested. But mm. that that's something that, like I just said, I was hoping that we, we wouldn't do. We would maintain um, 
uh, consistency and pressure and um, possession uh, and not have mm-hmm. these little um, slips. And, and that was an early sign, I thought, despite the, the, the control possession. Yeah, it's something that we were trying to iron out from the end of last season where we were conceding whilst we were controlling and quite dominant in the first half. Um, I think the Forest player basically just won a header on the halfway line, didn't he? And then I think Timber allowed it to bounce and it went through to Brennan Johnson, who then I think, yeah, he does make an absolute mess of this, doesn't he? He could have maybe hit it low and hard before Ramsdale gets there or gone for the chip, but a more accurate chip. He just kind of went between the two and it it was miles away from the goal. wasn't even on target, let alone going over. So, um, yeah, a pretty poor effort from from Johnson let us off the hook. Uh, I do think there's a bit of credit to be given to Aaron Ramsdale because he does get out of his goal really quick there. He's off the line, off the mark really fast and makes Brennan Johnson make that decision to uh, be put under pressure. So I think we do have to give Ramsdale a little bit of credit, but early warning signs that we we can't be sleeping on that side. Yeah, exactly. And we've said it time and time again, but it doesn't matter who you play against in the Premier League, they will create chances at some point, especially if you're being sloppy and, and going to sleep at the back uh, or, or anywhere on the pitch, to be honest. Um, especially teams like Forest, which probably are going to be relying on on a quick counter attack, um, yeah. So a little bit of a an early warning sign there, but um, yeah, like I said, I think Ramsdale did do well there. Um, he he yeah. made him, um, he forced him into an early decision, which ultimately made him, um, you know, misfire. So yeah, I, I'll give him credit too with that one for sure. Yeah. Did you see all of the white on Gibbs white action that was going on on every single corner that we were having in the first half? Because for anybody that didn't see this, basically every time we had a corner, Ben White likes to do Ben White things and just be a bit annoying towards the opponent's keeper. And he was trying to stand up in his space and him and Gibbs white were pretty much wrestling with each other uh, on the touchline. And then, um, Ben White manages to like spin around and throw him to the ground. And I don't know if, if it's ever getting towards the stage where they're overstepping the mark and start dishing out cards for that sort of thing. But it's always quite funny to see how Ben White honestly doesn't give, give a crap sometimes, does he? He just does what he wants. Mm, I think he's got a lot better at that, you know, because when he first started doing that, he was getting a little bit handsy. Um, and sort of when you're putting your arms on players, then you know, fouls can be given and then you're just wasting a corner, essentially. Or, or, or it'll get on, on the keeper and, and it'll foul the keeper in the build-up and we know how protected keepers are from set pieces and corners. Um, I think he's got a lot better. I think today, he, I think he did, we're doing it pretty well. He was using his body weight rather than he's you know, actually holding players. Um, Gibbs White is obviously there to try and disrupt that. Um but no, I think I think it's a great thing to keep doing. It's just we just need to improve on that that delivery from corners, especially Saka's. You know, I, I'm full of praise for Saka, but his corners weren't quite at it today. Um, they were they were struggling to get past that first man. And if we want that um, that sort of combination to work, I think we need to get it in the mixer a little bit more and rely on um, players. Just all opposition teams not getting to the ball and clearing it, or keepers not quite getting to the ball because of Ben White disrupting things, which just allows uh, you know a bit of a pinball scenario, um, and you know essentially a, a goal opportunity. So I think we do need to, to improve on that that delivery up from corners for sure. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed with Saka's delivery as well in that first half. He had two or three in a row where he didn't manage to beat the first man. And it's so disappointing when you're trying to amount pressure. You just need to get it in the mixer and at least create an opportunity for someone to try and um, put you ahead. But I've been thinking maybe it's time for someone else to take corners on that side. Um, Even like Odegaard, I think he would probably put in a better delivery than Sakura from a corner. Um, Just my personal opinion. Or even, for example, playing it short, you could have Odegaard playing Saka in short. And then from obviously what we saw in the second half, Saka's already in a decent position then to uh, either cross or shoot. But yeah, a little bit disappointing. But 
Let's talk about that first goal then. Let's talk about the absolutely magnificent events that happened in the build-up to that goal. So the ball came into the box. It got cleared, semi-cleared and spilled out to Martinelli, who then takes the ball on the spin in their final third. He he spins past a player. He's running in one-on-one. And then there are two players around Martinelli. And then he with his Brazilian samba magic spirit feet, heel to heel, clips the ball through both the players with an unbelievable bit of skill. And then the ball falls to Eddie Nketiah in the box, who then fakes and shimmies to his right and bamboozles the Nottingham Forest defender to then be able to create himself space to have a shot, which took a little bit of a deflection, a little nick. But when you're in those positions and you're shooting and you're taking the opportunity, you get rewarded and it ended up in the back of the net. I was... Absolutely in, amazed by the skill for Martinelli. Uh, it was mm. a moment of pure genius. And I was also absolutely made up for uh, our boy, Eddie Nketiah, being able to score on the first game of the season. Yeah, the, the minute I saw that turn, I was like, please t- let this turn into a goal because then that will get more recognition because it'll be you know an assist, basically. Um, so, uh, you know, really grateful that that actually... Um, resulted in a in a goal, for the opening goal for for Arsenal, and and to be honest, Martinelli had a, an absolutely brilliant game. He was quiet in terms of he wasn't getting on the ball very often, but when he was on the ball, he was creating something every single time. That he was so direct. I reckon Serge Aurier is going to be having absolutely he's going to be having nightmares tonight. Isn't he? Let's be honest. Um, because he absolutely dominated him, um, and yeah, he he deserves massive credit for this game. I think him and Saka were the standout performers. I know I've just given Saka a little bit of stick for the for the corner delivery, but he deserves a whole heap of praise for for everything else. To be honest, because like Martinelli, every time he got on the ball, he was creating something. He was direct, and. Um, yeah, I thought those two were real standout performers. But but Eddie and Ketty as well, he does deserve credit because time and time again, when he starts games, he does tend to score. Um, the, the statistics are there. He does tend to score when he starts games. And this is what he says. He says, you know, give me a run of games, give, start me in games, and I'll score goals. It's, it's him coming off the bench where he's not as effective. Um, so it was interesting to see him start today. And um, I thought he took the goal really well. He, did, he created that little yard of space. Uh, Willie Bowley sort of probably should have done better. He sort of overexposed himself with um, him trying to close Eddie down. But uh, no, he, he found the space, fired. And yeah, Turner's not going to save that, especially with the deflection, like you said. Yeah, yeah, an absolutely superb finish. And I think arguably Inketi is probably one of the best finishers in the squad. Um, we just need to get him into those positions for him to be able to take those chances. But yeah, luckily he did and he managed to get that little shimmy and create the yard of space. But yeah, like you say about Saka and Martinelli, these guys have been probably our best two players of last season, um, especially in the the final third. And they really do show it. And the respect that teams give them every single time, either of those players get the ball, you see two defenders come to try and smother them, don't they? It's, 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 and that in itself is dragging players out of position. And then with with the, the runs from Odegaard, who dovetails with Saka so well, when they're, they're moving around and, always so busy then it creates other space for the likes of Havertz was running in behind and and Martinelli was going from left to right as well there's a few times that he made that run and was able to get through so it's it's really it's it's the automatisms of the team now everyone knows what they need to do everyone's buzzing around and passing and moving and Teams just can't handle it especially when they they play with this low block defensive low block and they're just watching our team run circles, run rings, rings around them. And um, that even happened in a defensive point of view as well. Uh, I think there's a couple of times where Forrest managed to get up the field with Morgan Gibbs-White and they, they did two or three passes. And then all of a sudden you just saw either Saliba or Ben White gobble it up. They did two or three passes, triangles with Partey, and then we've got the ball back out. We've recycled it and we're, we're back on the attack. <laughs> and um, it, it was just such a confident performance in that first half. 
Yeah, that that was actually a brilliant recovery run as well. I think Saliva got to it so quick that he almost overran it a little bit, and he had to sort of adjust uh, slightly uh, and almost um, gifted it back to them. But yeah, it was it was situations like that where we 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 are looking good. Where even when we're out of possession, our defensive press is phenomenal. It's getting to the stage where it looks similar to City's, and that is one of the biggest reasons why City are so successful is their defensive press. They have the ball the majority of the game. And when you haven't got the ball as an opposition, you can't score. Um, that is the bottom line. and uh, That is where we're going to have to get to um, to be able to compete with this City team. It's just, can we keep, can we maintain this? Can we, um, can we do it away from home when, you know, the opposition fans are against us and, we're against maybe top 10 Premier League teams. Can we keep up this um, this level of performance? Um, and that's going to be the big question. But uh, yeah, mm. today I thought our pressing out of possession was, was absolutely magnificent. Yeah, and you saw as well, they really do hunt in packs. I think it was Morgan Gibbs-White again who found himself on the ball and he, he was looking to try and progress the ball and then he had Partey in front of him, looked to his right, he had Odegaard and he turned around on the ball and Saka was right behind him and then unfortunately Saka ended up fouling him. But they just came out of nowhere and completely boxed him in and he wasn't able to pop the ball off or even progress to try and amount a counter-attack. But um if we're going to go from one beautiful spectacle of a goal, uh, then we may as well follow it up with another because our second goal was a thing of beauty. And this all stems from a bit of brilliance from Saliba. Now, the ball is spilled out from the, the, the forest defence and their defender is probably favourite to get to the ball. Saliba's a little bit behind him. And you just see these long French legs step in front of him and muscle him off the ball. And he, he's pretty much got a player on his back and it just shows you the strength of Salibri. He muscles this player off the ball and manages to get a toe on it just to uh, pass it through to Saka, who then does a shimmy and then he is in his favourite position on the right side of the box where you know you can finesse the ball to the left of the goal. And he just lets it fly. And it is an absolutely perfect, unbelievable finish from Saka. Mm. Goes from outside the post and in, Turner's got no chance. You, you see Turner mm. looking at the turf after the goal, thinking it looked like he was having flashbacks to every single time Saka had done that in training against him over the last <laughs> season or so. Just thinking, I knew he was going to do it, but I couldn't stop it. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, he looked a little bit shell-shocked, didn't he? Like, why why did I leave Arsenal? <laughs> but um, yeah, brilliant yet again. I, I was a I was about to say it's like his signature move, um, cutting in on his left and just bending it. But he hasn't really got a signature move because he's just so good at going every which way. He could cut onto his right and drill one into the box. He could loop one to the back post. He could curl one in the top left. He could he could blast it in the bottom right. He's unpredictable, and that's what makes him so good. Um, they were talking after ga- after the um, game as he was given the uh, man of the match trophy. And they were asking him, um, like, what are your weaknesses? Because the, the pundits were struggling to to sort of pinpoint it. Uh, and he was saying, um, my head in. You know, he, he was struggling to th- uh, like think of, of what his weakness was because he just doesn't have one. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, he's, he, I, I said it to you in the, in the middle of the game, but he's like a cheat code because, you know, that, that game stays at 1-0 um, and... It, you know, first game of the season, it can make you start to worry a little bit. But going 2 0 in at half time, it just it, it settles the nerves. You know, today mm. we're winning this game. Um, so, yeah, brilliant by Saka again. And, um, I, yeah, I can't praise him anymore, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right with that. And I think what in Saka's development I think the most important thing in his development was the ability of him improving his right foot Um, because two seasons ago we didn't see him try and take things on on his right foot too often Um, but he's been trying to develop that more and more so now players they don't know whether he's going to go with his left or his right whereas he was becoming a little bit predictable before only wanting to cut in on his left so now it gives them that 
dilemma of is he going to go on the outside, go on the inside? What am I going to do? If he goes on the inside, can I even stop him? Can I get to him? He's so quick. And it, even if he can't get round you, he's going to pop off a one-two with Odegaard and get through on goal. So he is an unbelievable performer. And as you say, he doesn't really have many weaknesses. I don't think he's ever in the box for one of his crosses to, to actually get ahead on it. Um, and another side of his game, which isn't talked about enough, is his defensive ability. There were so many times in today's game where you saw Saka and Martinelli, I think even Martinelli even more so, absolutely steaming back and winning the ball back. It's almost it's almost like uh, kids on a playground say like, no, this is our ball. It's, <laughs> we're playing with the ball, like get off it kind of thing. But they, they would go from attack to defence, defence to attack, and it just shows you the engine and the, the desire, the spirit that these guys have got true professionals yeah and I think that's why you'll you'll very rarely see Arteta not start Martinelli if he's available we've obviously been posing the question of should Trossard start there a lot um and ultimately Martinelli has just got so much to his game that 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 position is just locked down for him because like you say his defensive press um we, we saw it isolated a little bit in that Monaco game where he was so far back that he just got beat dead easy. But um, nine times out of ten, he's not going to be in that position. That was just sort of a, a freak one-off, to be honest. Um, in in this game, as an example, he was just chasing the full-backs and their wingers every single time, winning the ball back. And then when he got it uh, in our position going forward, he was so direct and, as I said earlier, just causing Aurea all sorts of problems. So absolutely phenomenal from him. Um, and, and like I said, he, he didn't actually have the ball that much in that first half. But when he did have it, he just caused them absolutely <laughs> problems. You know, So I think we, we ended on that half on 84% possession. Um, seven shots, three of which were on target. We had five corners, two goals. Just absolute domination, really, isn't it? Despite us not looking at our best. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's something to speak of a, a top-tier team, that even if you're not looking very... Well, we were dominant, but not looking like you're creating chances left, right and centre. You're still are clinical enough to put two away and then, the, then you've got a nice, comfortable lead for going into the second half. Um, I think it was a near-perfect first half and it's something that every Arsenal fan could have wanted, um, apart from one unfortunate event, was Urian Timber, who was trying to um, stop a Nottingham Forest break. And unfortunately, it looked like he ended up injuring his, well, at the time, it looked like his calf, but I think it was the outside of his knee, maybe. Um, they're going to be having scans on it to see and diagnose what has actually gone wrong there. But he initially came back out to the second half, didn't he? And... Um, Looked like he wanted to play and carry on, but it was clear after the second half started. As soon as the ball came to him, he he pulled up and said, "I can't, I can't continue, can I?" Yeah, he sort of took a little bit of a twinge, and when it's when there's no contact from another player, they they tend to be the nasty ones, don't they? Um, especially with the knees. Um, you know, if it's ligaments in the knees, that's uh, that is a lengthy um, spell on the sidelines. So. I'm really praying that that is not the case because he has been phenomenal um, since we've signed him. And he already looks like one of the first names on the team sheet for Arteta. You can tell he trusts him. He's playing left-back for Arsenal at the minute, a position he's never played once in any of his previous team, well, for Ajax. Um, so that just shows how much Arteta trusts him. And you can see why, because... He's everywhere, and I don't think I've even seen him made, make a single mistake yet um, for Arsenal. So he really does vastly improve us as a team. He vastly improves our versatility and options. Um, and yeah, to, to not have him would be a real disappointment. Having said that, I think Tommy Asu did well when he came on and replaced him. I think he did do well... Um, and he actually almost scored straight away after coming on. I don't know if you saw that, that, that effort. He had a bit tame. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, really hoping that, that it's not as serious as it could be. Um, and hopefully we'll know more in the coming days once he's had a, had a scan. 
Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And um, if it is something like ligament damage, I think um, Granit Xhaka went out with it, didn't he, previously with a with an LCL and he was out for six to eight weeks and he only came back quickly because it's Granit Xhaka and he's like the Terminator. So it, it's, it's something that we don't want to see for any of our players, uh, especially a new signing who's looked colossal and looked so good in pre-season. Um, luckily, we do have a wealth of depth in that area. We've got... Zinchenko, who will be coming back, um, Tommy Asu, who came on today, Tierney as well, um, Kivior can play in that role if needs be. So we, we do have enough players that can fill in that position in the meantime, but it is quite unfortunate to uh, to see him limp off the pitch in the way, in the manner that he did. Um, but start of the second half, you know, we're still looking quite comfortable, not really creating or conceding too many chances. Uh, Declan Rice trying everything that he can to be able to get on the score sheet. He had quite a few chances from outside the box, some of some of which were uh, pretty close. There was one which he had and it took a little nick off a player and then Matt Turner just spilled it around the post. But he's showing that he can be quite a threat in the attacking positions, can't he? Yeah, that, that was a good effort as well, by the way. Um, Turner did really well to save that. Um, got to give him credit for that. But... Um... Yeah, I I don't even think he's like fully fit yet either. He doesn't quite look as fit as he was in a West Ham shirt, which is scary to think about because I thought he had a brilliant game today. Um, you can certainly see that that um, ability or that area where he can go up a level because I think he can start to score more goals. I think he did look a bit of a um, a goal threat at times, and he just doesn't lose the ball, does he? Um, in possession, you just trust him completely. You know he's not going to make a mistake. And even if someone around him does make a mistake, and we saw this in the Community Shield against City, his recovery runs are absolutely phenomenal. He'll get there, he'll get back, and he'll, he'll win it back. Again, this is absolutely crucial to our press. Um, and I think that's why a big reason why we're going to go up a, a level this season. Yeah, he is really defensively sound, isn't he? He makes so many decent interceptions where um, the, I think there's a few times as well where the Nottingham Forest players try to pass through our defence and Declan Rice, he's he's in one position and then just as they're about to pass it, he's already on the move knowing where they're going to go and they literally passed it right into his path and then he's already on the move, like in a basketball game, he's already on the move to be able to create a uh, counter-attack. So it's it's that kind of thing that you can't really teach for a player. It's just... They, it's it's automatic to them. It's just their nature. They know, they smell that the danger, they smell that the pass is going to go into that area and they're already anticipating it and able to uh, to overturn the ball and kickstart a counter-attack. But unfortunately, in that right side of defensive space where we were potentially getting going to get exposed, that's where we were and <clears throat> that's where we did end up getting exposed. And... Um, Anthony Alanga, I think it's Anthony Alanga, who used to play for Man United, the Swedish international, came on. And I, I was watching this game with my brother, and I said to him when Alanga came on, I said, "Or oh, he's rapid. We need to keep our <laughs> keep an eye on him. We need to have someone on that right side." And as soon as there was a bit of space that opened up into that area, he absolutely burnt through uh, down our right wing, and um, nobody was getting close to him, to be honest. Um, ben White had a decision to make. He could have either gone across or stayed with the player that was running through. And he stayed with the player that was running through. There wasn't really much he could have done there. He, he made one choice and stuck with it. And then, unfortunately, we ended up conceding. But that was a bit of a reminder that we can't be overcommitting too much, especially when we're too... Well, especially when we're two nil up, we can't be committing all of our players forward because as soon as it goes to two one, then you know Forrest are back in the game, aren't they? Yeah, I completely agree. I think the way we managed the 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 second half was poor. It was a bit naive at times. Um, part of that down to the players on the pitch, I think, just really desperately trying to get that third goal just to put the game to bed. Um, which is understandable, I get it, because we, we were creating opportunities and they were sort of smelling blood a little bit. They really wanted to, to, to kill it off. Um, 
But part of it is also down to game management from Arteta a little bit. And we've said this before, but I think the substitutions should have come maybe 10 minutes earlier than they did. I think if you do that, it puts that mindset into the players, right? We, we, you know, we're tuning up. Um, let's see out the game and maybe nick one later on once the game's dead and they've sort of effectively given up. You know, that that's what most managers would have done in that situation. But we kind of did the exact opposite and, and then it, you know, forced us into a, a very nervy final 15 minutes, which is not what you want. Um, you know, it's a, another game where we've not managed to keep a clean sheet. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sort of going off the back of last season because we were struggling to keep clean sheets at home and away. Um, and, you know, we started in that fashion again. Um, but I think with the the Trek and the Alanga thing, I think Ben White made the right decision in, in, in peeling off. It's just then he doesn't stick with um, his man. He lets him cut across him at the last second and uh, and tap that in. He, if he if he stays tight to him and, and stays goal side, he can he can make the tackle a lot easier. Um, it's just uh, that little last second marking decision from Ben that that's let him down there. Um, mm. But you know this can happen. Yeah, I, and that was um, I think it was Awaniwi that scored the goal. Um, I don't yeah. know if I absolutely butchered that, but. When he came on as well, he looked really physical and he was actually starting to give our defence a bit of a hard time with how physical he was. Um, so credit to Forrest for their substitutions and recognising that we could potentially be weak on that side. Um, but yeah, as you say, Martinelli came off for Big Gabby, who then came up to try and shore our defence up. And we also had the likes of Trossard come on, who I thought from a defensive standpoint was superb. There were so many times where Trossard was just nicking the ball and then, you know, knocking it past a player, running all the way up the pitch and then winning a foul or recycling the ball and just giving us that breathing space. I think players like like him, like Saka, Saka looked absolutely goosed by the end of the game as well. I think he took he took a few knocks, didn't he? But he, he really yeah. fought to try and win us those those three points. But especially um especially Trossard being able to get us up the pitch and keep the pressure off. It, it's its exactly what you need. Um, and uh, in terms of having a uh, experienced head on your shoulders. And I think that's something which was kind of lacking from the likes of Odegaard, where, you know, it's the 96th minute, we've got the ball in the final third and we've got Forrest scrambling back. All he needs to do is just recycle the ball, you know, maybe give it to Saka to take it to the corner or that sort of thing, which I know you don't really want to be doing those kind of tactics in the first game of the season, but every point is an essential point, isn't it? Um, but you saw Odegaard taking a pot shot from outside the box in the 96th minute, and it's just an easy way to give Forrest the ball back so that they can try and amount something and put us back under pressure. But... You know, these are the sort of things which come with experience and come with know-how. I saw Arteta going absolutely mental every time we gave the ball away in that in that final five or ten minutes um, of the extra, extra time that we're now getting in games, which is interesting because we didn't really have much injury time, well, many stoppages at all in that second half, did we? But to be getting six or seven minutes already just kind of worries me for what's going to happen when we're really in a game with a lot of time wasting. Mm. You know what? I, I think this Arsenal team is still a work in progress. And that's a good thing, to be honest, um, because we're winning game. We won a game at the end of the day and we're still a work in progress. That can only be a positive thing. Um, I think last season, if, it is, if there's anything to take from last season, it's we, we need to hit our peak in the middle of the season when it counts. And at the end of the season, uh, hitting our peak before Christmas, um, you know, it, it only led to us falling away at the, at the final hurdle. Um, I think this year you'll see us slowly, slowly improve and then we'll really start to fly maybe November, December time and we'll start to push on into the, from January onwards, um, when we really see this team sort of blend and and, uh, and things are a lot more... Um, comfortable and um, well drilled into to everybody, but at, at the minute, yeah, I, I don't see 
it being the finished article. Um, yeah, and like I said, that is a good thing. Um, I think players like Havertz, I think I think he had a good game today, you know, but I still think there's levels to, to come from him. I think he held the ball up really well. I think he drew a lot of fouls, uh, which got us out of um, some sticky situations. Um, he's a lot stronger than I thought. I think um, he definitely gives us a new dimension to think about and also for oppositions to think about because we're ultimately less predictable. So, yeah, um, still huge positive that, to be, to be fair. Yeah, I, I thought Havertz had a bit of a quiet game, but he was really tidy on the ball, wasn't he? And he is quite nice and physical and he's able to, to recycle it well. Um, and ultimately, when you're a possession-based team and you're trying to break down these low blocks, that's the kind of play that you want to have. Um, so the, there's a lot of positives to take from this game. Um, a few negatives, mainly being just lapses in concentration, really, wasn't it? It was the the, yeah. the chance that their their goal ended up coming from was a lapse in concentration on that side, and the chance that they had in the first half also the same, but on the opposite side, a lapse in concentration. Um, but neither of those. No, neither of those came from them breaking us down. Neither of them came from us being under extended periods of pressure. It was literally just counterattacks. And that's something which we need to be a bit more street smart about. But if we can iron that out, um, then we're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, are you are you worried about the the level of competition we're going to have this season because you know last season we had City and then United for a bit and then they fell off but it seems like there's going to be so many more teams that are fighting it at the top this season um, not Spurs funnily enough because <laughs> <laughs> their their main striker Harry Kane looks like he's on his way to Bayern Munich which is hilarious. But um, are you are you worried about the likes of Liverpool coming back, Chelsea coming back, United, maybe Newcastle? Um, I'm not worried. No, I mean every single year they say um, there's going to be more teams uh, fighting for the Premier League title, and it never seems to happen. Um, the last six, seven years, it's just been two teams at it, and who who knows? Maybe that will change, but ultimately. Um, all we can worry about is ourselves. And I think we've got a very, very good team, a very, very good squad um, capable of doing brilliant things. Um, if I look to our direct rivals, City, I think they're weaker than last year. I really do think that. Um, I think Liverpool, they, they've lost Henderson, they've lost Fabinho, they've brought in McAllister, but their midfield, I, I don't see that being stronger. Um, that's going to take time to to gel, and that's going to take time to um, to get to the level where Liverpool were a couple of seasons ago. Um, they've got other players that are starting to age. Van Dijk's not the same player since his his ACL injury. Um, who else have we got? Chelsea again. It's this, the same story with them that that they've got a whole new squad that they're going to take a, a bit of time to gel. They have got mm. good players though. Obviously, um, I do think once that does gel then who knows they, they could be um, but it's ifs and buts with that one to be honest United um, Mount doesn't scare me at all to be honest uh, when we were linked with him I was I wasn't really keen um, so uh, Hoyland scored nine goals last year you know <laughs> yeah. a player that we want to get rid of scored more than double that <laughs> uh, so no that doesn't scare me Um no, I'm, I think we'll be fine. You know, I, I think we'll be we'll be up there fighting City again. Yeah. And then there'll be the rest of the pack. Maybe they'll be a bit closer behind us than last year, but I still think it will be us and City. Yeah, uh, it's interesting that you say that about City as well. Saying that they've weakened and we've potentially strengthened, and given how close we were to City last season, then you feel like the margins might be even closer. Um, mm-hmm. And I saw I saw a lot of talk online uh, raving about how good City are when when they beat um, beat Burnley, um, but 
come on, this is a team that's just been promoted from the Championship. Um, yes, they did blast the Championship away last season, but they're, they're nothing compared to the likes of City. Um, and to... For for a player like Erling Haaland, you know, yeah, he's scary. He scores a lot of goals, and he's very clinical. Um, but you know, it's first game of the season; you can't get carried away. Um, that's why that's why I was a little bit disappointed that we couldn't keep the clean sheet today, just because I wanted to uh, <clears throat> not show any weakness from an Arsenal perspective in terms of us, yeah. you know, rivaling City. But um, yeah, so. Who would have been your star performer from today's game? Does anyone stick out for you? Or Well, we've obviously mentioned Saka and Martinelli. I, I think if I were to say star performers, it would be them. But I think a player that we've not really mentioned in the podcast yet is Odegaard. And I thought he had a phenomenal game. I thought he was, he was the glue today. Um, everything was going through him. He looks like uh, he looked a lot sharper than we've seen in preseason. Even against City, he he, he looked a lot sharper today. His his passing was quick. Um, some of his skill as well to to take it round players um, and his body feints and just yeah, I thought he was magnificent. Um, yeah, I think I think he he deserves an, an honourable mention. What about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have to kind of agree. Everything that Odegaard does absolutely exudes class, doesn't it? it even just his his touches on the ball, you know, it's going to be stuck to his foot like glue. He's going to turn on the turn on the sixpence, and his passing's always crisp, and he's he always has the ingenuity to just flick the ball over or to to find those gaps to play players through. So, I think he definitely is worthy of an honourable mention. Um, I'd say. Bryce as well, he was unreal. Um, mm. Saliba being basically like a one-man band at times, just <laughs> at the back there. I think that is something in itself which is impressive. Um, mm. But if I was to give it to anyone that's not who we've already spoke about, I was I was really impressed with Inketia with his commitment to be able to step up. And he's probably the only player out there who doesn't fill a first eleven kind of role. You could make an argument for any one of those other players that they should be in the starting eleven, um, but if Gabriel Jesus is fit, then Inketi is not going to be there. Um, so for him to step up to the plate and be able to deliver and get his first goal and Arsenal's first goal of the season, I think that is you've got to give him credit. And um, hopefully, he gets the confidence to be able to bring that into the Palace game next week. Yeah, and that, that's it. I think it is confidence ready. He does get critiqued a lot by this fan base, including us. You know. We, we do critique Eddie a lot. Um, and there were times last season where he was great and he stood in for Jesus brilliantly and was scoring goals. The, the one against United, you know, stands out. It was it was a great bit of uh, ingenuity from him. Um, but then there were games where the goals weren't coming and he wasn't really influencing the game either. Um, and yeah, it, and then he obviously lost his place from that. Um, and I think that's sort of still stuck in the back of people's minds. But today, like you say, I, I thought he did good today. Um, I think he filled in for, for Jesus very well. Um, obviously, we could have gone with Havertz there, like we did in the Community Shield. We didn't. We went with Eddie. Arteta, after the game, was full of praise for Eddie's work rate in training. And he, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said something along the lines of that he gave him no other decision but to start him because of how well he worked in training. Um so, so there you go. If if he keeps doing that, then maybe that number nine position will be his. Um, obviously, until we see Jesus back. Mm. Yeah, I have to agree. And you know, if you've got a striker who is impressing in training and he's scoring on the pitch, then you don't really have a decision to make, do you? He's he's got to be in the team for the next game, um, mm. which is against Palace, away to Palace as well. Notoriously, a pretty difficult game for us to. Uh, to, <clears throat> that we've we we well, the start of last season we managed to get through it in this uh, the uh, very first game, didn't we? But a it's the sort of fixture that we would usually struggle at. So um, yeah, really hope that the boys can pull it out of the bag in that game. But is there anything else you want to add on from today's game at all, or um, not from today's game? But um, I just thought we'd have a 
a little discussion about transfers because, you know, why not? The transfer window is still open. There's mm-hmm. still speculation floating about. Um, we all love to talk a bit of transfers. And um, David Raya was in the stands again today. Um, obviously, we're expecting him to sign any minute or to be announced to have signed any minute now. Who knows? He may have been announced while we've been podcasting. Um, but um, what, what are your thoughts about this this David Raya coming to Arsenal in general and, and how this may affect Arsenal, how it may affect Ramsdale? Well, my initial thoughts were um, surely it's a recipe for disaster. You know, you've got two top quality keepers and you can only play one of them. Then you're going to have someone that's unhappy. But when I've thought more into it, it's it's more of a building that meritocracy that nobody is able to become consistent uh, inconsistent in the Arsenal uh, dressing room. And what we saw from Aaron Ramsdale, especially when Leno was at the club, is that he performs better when there's a, a second option there. Um, when he's got pressure and he's got, um, he has to perform to keep his spot, you do see him perform more impressively. Um, so I think that might be in Arteta's mind. Also, I feel like David Raya, he fits the profile that Arteta likes. He's good with his feet. He can um, recycle the ball well which is, you know, if he fits the mould, then why not kind of thing. And I think the third thing that makes makes this deal quite um, desirable is the fact that it is that loan-to-buy option, mm. which if, if we'd have bought him outright, then I thought, okay, maybe that's a bit of a ballsy move from the club to be able to get him. But to, to have him basically filling in the shoes of someone who's going to be the replacement keeper in case anything happens to Ramsdale, in case his form dips, um, and to be able to spread the minutes out through the Premier League, Champions League, um, Carabao Cup and FA Cup, then it's only a good thing to have a you know a, a second keeper who has the quality of David Raya. Um, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to see him in those other cup games. Uh, I can't see an argument against that. And... If if you're going to be a Premier League winning team or a Champions Champions League winning team, then you can't have those massive games depend on one keeper. You know what I mean? Just in case, for example, Ramsdale, he could break a finger in training and then we would be left with, well, Turner's gone out alone now. Uh, uh, Turner's been sold now, sorry. So we'd be left with Arthur Okonkwo or Carl Hine or someone between the sticks. You, you can't have that. You need to have a top quality keeper. So it does make sense at a lot of levels and uh, I've kind of accepted it and I, I do tend to agree with the decision now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think this is the definition of a win-win, you know, um, especially with the, the loan deal aspect to it now because not only does it help Arsenal with the financial fair play element of the fact that this season it's a three million loan fee uh, and that's all that's going to affect us uh, this season. We can worry about the 27 million that it may cost next season. Um, So that then potentially allows us a bit more flexibility with other incomings um, this season. Um, Not only does it allow all that, it also shows Ramsdale that if he maintains this number one position, that it's his. Um, David Raya probably then may choose that this isn't the club for him and he wants to fight someone else for it and he goes elsewhere and we look to somebody else. And that's not a bad position because then we know we've got a Ramsdale that's outperformed David Raya, who is a brilliant keeper and, you know, metrics and statistics-wise, outperformed Ramsdale last season. So it's going to be an interesting battle. Um, I do think Ramsdale will come out superior. Do you? Yeah, I, I think Ramsdale, he's only one step away from becoming England's number one. I, I think he is that good. I think he's just getting onto that level of becoming a top class top class keeper. Not quite world class. I wouldn't put him in that echelon just yet, but I think he, he isn't far away from it. Um, so yeah, he's going to keep striving and keep fighting to be able to improve. And 
like like we spoke before about Aaron Ramsdale, he just needs to iron out the silly little passing mistakes from his game. Um, and if he can do that and maintain his shot stopping ability whilst having his his long range distribution is incredible. I think that was a an opportunity today where he just leathered it up the pitch to Martinelli, who who was able to then create a uh, create a chance from there. So. I've got no problem with that, but it's his short passing, which sometimes he comes unstuck on and his positioning in, in different occasions. But yeah, I, I do feel like Ramsdale is going to maintain the number one, even with the pressure from David Raya. But it's always good to have that second option just in case anything did happen. So uh, ultimately, yeah. pretty happy with that one. And who knows, David Raya may even be happy with that. You know, it may be a year down the line. He may say, OK, I'm second choice. Um, whether that's a good thing or not, who knows? But um, ultimately, if we've got two competitive keepers, that's a good thing for Arsenal. Um, do you think we could potentially be in the market for anybody else? Uh, we've got obviously maybe three weeks left of the window-ish. Um, do you think there's a need for anybody else within this squad? I think the only positions that we're kind of light on would be right wing and striker um you know with jesus being injured at the minute so if we were to get anyone i think it could be in those two positions but i can't really see it happening to be honest no top quality right wing is going to want to try to display saka because realistically they're not going to be able to do it um and if a striker came into the fold they'll be looking at the team and seeing that you've got Eddie and Ketty there at the minute, Jesus to come back, Havertz can play there. And then you've also got the likes of um, Trossard who can fill into that role potentially. So I don't know if it's, uh, well, I wouldn't say it's not an appealing option for a player to come, but I don't think you're not, you're going to get any first team options that are going to fill those roles uh, coming through the doors in the next couple of weeks. But you know, I've been wrong before. Um, we could end up seeing a couple of people come back through the door. But I think in terms of transfers, all we're going to see to the end of the window now is outgoings. Mm, that's it, yeah. And I think a lot of those players that are on the fringe of leaving, you're talking Balogun, Tierney, Laconga, Tavares, Cedric, they're all players that we wouldn't miss if they left. And I don't think we really necessarily need to replace them due to the the depth we have in in the other players that can play their positions. So it does make you think another incoming does seem a little bit unlikely. The only scenario I can really see it is if it's a player that is of high quality and versatile, that there's enough minutes there that could be given to that player um, due to his versatility. Um, I know one name that's been mentioned is Mohamed Kudos of Ajax, and he kind of does fit that bill to a degree. I know he's played right wing, central attacking midfield. Um, so there's there's an element of versatility there. But it's just, do we need versatility in central attacking mid- midfield? Not really. We've got Smith Rowe, Vieira, Odegaard, Havertz. Um, it's just that right wing, isn't it? Um, Saka's out. We haven't. Nelson's more of a left winger, in my opinion. Um, so. That's not really perfect, like for like. Um, Trossard as well. We've seen him on the right before. Don't think he was as, as effective out there. Um, yeah, I think it's it's right wing for me. That That's the area. But it's such a, a tough job to recruit that, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's, um, it's going to need uh, some clever recruitment and, and the right player. And, and if that's not available, I think they'll, they'll opt to wait. Yeah, that's it. And the level that Saka brings to that side, we've seen it when we've when we've seen Fabio Vieira go into that position. That there is such a drop off when you don't have Saka there. Um, he brings so much to that side of the side of the team. Um, something which probably can't be replicated by, well, anyone barring maybe Mohamed Salah or someone like that. Um, I'm not saying that we would get Salah, but I'm just saying in terms of world football and right wingers. He's probably one of the only players that is up to Saka's level at the minute um, on that side. So it would they wouldn't come cheap, and they probably wouldn't be coming if they have that kind of ability to then sit on the bench. So 
I can't see it happening. Um, but maybe, like you say, a flexible, versatile player, which is Arteta's favourite word, isn't it? A versatile player. Because I think we're going to get to the stage where pretty much any player can play in any position and he just picks the name out of a hat. But um, yeah, 2-1 from today's game against Nottingham Forest. Not the most convincing uh, win when it came to the last 15, 20 minutes, but ultimately we controlled the majority of the game which is delightful. And what you want to see on the first game of the season is three points on the board uh, and we're going to be rolling on to the next one against Crystal Palace. Anything uh, anything to add on to that from today's game, Dave? Or? Well, that's it. Um, great podcast. Enjoyed it. Great uh, great start to the Premier League. And um, yeah, hope, hoping we can uh, continue this against Palace next week. Okay, yeah, so we're going we're gonna, to uh, wrap it up for today, guys. We will see you next week after the Crystal Palace game, and hopefully it will be another three points. All the best. Take care, guys. You're listening to the Arsenal Ramble. Through the storm